The views expressed in this program are those of the participants. Although the original was burned by the British in 1812, the White House was fortunate in having a duplicate donated during the recent redecoration by Mrs. Kennedy. Now, as we leave the White House... Now look, we're in Washington, and we're going to stay in Washington until we've seen every single national shrine. Hurry along, folks. Now, be a good boy and enjoy your heritage. Look, now there's a picture of Andrew Johnson. See? He's got long hair. Why can't I let mine grow? Because I said so, that's why. Welcome, everyone. It is Thursday, July 8th, 2021. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. Join us for an hour of discussion that's not right-wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be The United States and Canada celebrated their respective national quote-unquote birthdays over the past weekend, with July 1st being Canada Day, or Dominion Day as some prefer, and the United States celebrating its Independence Day on July 4th. What both nations have in common is not just their common British heritage and the Western culture of freedom that it represents, but also the sad fact that their cultures are being attacked from within and from without. The process has been popularly called cancel culture, but what is really happening is the imposition of an alien culture of state control in its place. It's impossible to simply cancel a given culture without replacing it with another because no nation or peoples can exist in a cultural vacuum. What is this alien culture? By all appearances and symptoms, I would call it Chinese communism, a cultural disease that has been rapidly spread into both countries on the back of a Wuhan Chinese virus and the viral propaganda and fake news that accompanied it. What Canada and the United States do not have in common is a singularly popular and powerful voice of resistance against the cancel culture virus and against the social disease of tyranny. Here in Canada, we are stuck with a Prime Minister who openly supports and implements Chinese Communism, with the support of all of the elected political parties in the country's federal parliament and provincial legislatures. And while Canada does have pockets of resistance building against the tyranny, they are still dependent upon the people themselves and on the fledgling People's Party of Canada, which has a long way to go in terms of establishing itself as a true political force in the nation. But unlike Canada, in the United States there already exists a well-established Republican Party, which is almost certain to sweep back into power under the influence and leadership of Donald Trump, whose incredible speech this past weekend will become part of our discussion today. It's a discussion that begins right after our reminder that you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org, Hear us on WBCQ and on Channel 292 Shortwave. Follow and like us on your favorite podcast platform and visit us at justrightmedia.org where you can access all of Just Right's social media links and our archive broadcasts. As always, your financial support is appreciated and is what makes this show possible. 
Well, last week our theme concerned freedom, tyranny, and the permanence of power, in which we discussed how state health care officials, with the aid of fascist politicians in all the parties, have created a tyranny unlike any before experienced in history. But there are still millions of people who remain utterly blind to this political condition, unable to conceptualize a political evil that has killed and murdered hundreds of millions of people throughout history. Part of their blindness has been caused by the fear generated around a fictional flu pandemic and by very real threats of force and violence by their governments. Governments that have utterly abandoned their assumed duty to protect individual rights and to maintain a condition of freedom. And of course, a great part of this blindness is the result of various corporate media spewing out outrageous and false propaganda about COVID cases and viral variants in a never-ending round-the-clock Orwellian campaign to coerce people into getting a highly dangerous and deadly vaccine, quote-unquote coupled with outright censorship of anyone who expresses the truth about the vaccines or about the real fascist agenda, those who never hear the truth or who refuse to acknowledge it end up becoming agents of their own destruction and their loss of freedom. This has not happened overnight. In Canada, the nation's slide into collectivist fascism was given a great boost by Pierre Elliott Trudeau's patriation of Canada's constitution, along with its Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms in 1982, a document which we reviewed on last week's show, and in so doing, we compared it to some of the key highlights of the American constitution. Now, if you caught last week's show, you might recall that our listener Trevor D. informed us about his ordering a large Canadian flag to display on Canada Day, only to discover that the flag was made in China. Well, this week Trevor again drew our attention to a product made in China, which turned out to be none other than the Constitution of the People's Republic of China, which upon a brief review, hauntingly reads much like Canada's own Charter of Rights and Freedoms. And I've taken some samples of some of the sections from it that he sent us. And I have to tell you, this is remarkable. Now, this is from the, the actual Constitution of the People's Republic of China. For example, Article 33. All citizens of the People's Republic of China are equal before the law. The state respects and preserves human rights. Article 34. All citizens of the People's Republic of China who have reached the age of 18 have the right to vote and stand for election, regardless of ethnic status, race, sex, occupation, family background, religious belief, education, property status, or length of residence, except persons deprived of political rights according to law. <laughs> I wonder what that means. Article 35, get this. Citizens of the People's Republic of China enjoy freedom of speech, of the press, of assembly, of association, of procession, and of demonstration. Man, we got to move over there right away so that we can do our demonstrations against <laughs> these COVID lockdowns. Article 36. Citizens of the People's Republic of China enjoy freedom of religious belief. No state organ, public organization, or individual may compel citizens to believe in or not to believe in any religion, nor may they discriminate against citizens who believe in or who do not believe in any religion. That's, that's remarkable to see that in the Constitution. 
Article 37, freedom of the persons of citizens of the People's Republic of China is inviolable. Unlawful detention or deprivation or restriction of citizens' freedoms of the person by other means is prohibited, and unlawful search of the person of citizens is prohibited. Article 38, the personal dignity of citizens of the People's Republic of China is inviolable, insult, libel, False accusation or false incrimination directed against citizens by any means is prohibited. Article 39, the residences of citizens of the People's Republic of China are inviolable. Unlawful search of or intrusion into a citizen's residence is prohibited. Article 40, freedom and privacy of correspondence of citizens of the People's Republic of China are protected by law. No organization or individual may on any ground infringe upon citizens' freedom and privacy of correspondence, except in cases where, to meet the needs of the state security or of criminal investigation, public security organs are permitted to censor correspondence in accordance with the procedures prescribed by law. Article 41. Citizens of the People's Republic of China have the right to criticize and make suggestions regarding any state organ or functionary. Citizens have the right to make to relevant state organs complaints or charges against or exposures of any state organ or functionary for violation of law or dereliction of duty, but fabrication or distortion of facts for purposes of libel or false incrimination is prohibited. Now, those were all from the Chinese... Constitution. Can you believe it? How many of those things do you really think are rights that Chinese citizens actually do have? Like zero, maybe? But here's the Canadian one. Guarantee of rights and freedoms. Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms guarantees the rights and freedoms set out in it subject only to such reasonable limits prescribed by law as can be demonstrably justified in a free and democratic society. Well, boy, is that an open-ended right. Fundamental freedoms. Everyone has the following fundamental freedoms. Freedom of conscience and religion. Freedom of thought, belief, opinion, and expression, including freedom of the press and other media of communication. Freedom of peaceful assembly and freedom of association. We don't have any of these in Canada. Not today. Not, not under COVID. This is a complete lie. This is what we're facing right now. We've got this constitution giving us all these freedoms, which sounds just like China's constitution, and neither we nor the Chinese citizens have these rights, not in reality. There's a big difference between theory and practice. Democratic rights. Every citizen of Canada has the right to vote in an election of members of the House of Commons or of a legislative assembly and to be qualified for membership therein. Well, that sounds very similar to the Chinese one, doesn't it? And of course, we already dealt with the equality rights last week where every individual is equal before and under the law and has the right to the equal protection and equal benefit of the law without discrimination, and in particular, without discrimination based on race, national or ethnic origin, color, religion, sex, age, or mental or physical disability. What about white people? Aren't white people all racist now? Isn't there something called, you know, privilege, white privilege? Is that equality, the way they're defining this? This, this is... This is frightening stuff when you compare what is in writing and what we see in practice. Now back to the Chinese Constitution. Article 42. Citizens of the People's Republic of China have the right as well as the duty to work. Well, that's interesting. In Canada, under COVID restrictions, selected Canadians have a duty not to work and to keep their businesses closed. (laughs) 
Article 43, working people in the People's Republic of China have the right to rest. Well, how nice. Back to the Canadian Constitution. Everyone has the right to life, liberty, and security of the person and the right not to be deprived of except in accordance with the principles of fundamental justice. Everyone has the right to be secure against unreasonable search or seizure. Everyone has the right not to be arbitrarily detained or imprisoned. Everyone has the right on arrest or detention to be informed promptly of the reasons therefore to retain and instruct counsel without delay and to be informed of that right and to have the validity of the detention determined by way of habeas corpus and to be released if the detention is not lawful. Well, tell that to all the, the pastors and ministers and political people who have been locked up in this country. Some just for not wearing a mask, some for politically protesting, some for holding services in their churches. It's stunning. The, the, the gap between what we have in our stated rights and what we see in practice. The point to be made here is simply that national theories outlined in constitutions and other similar documents increasingly rarely correspond to national practice. Particularly disturbing in regard to Canada's Charter of Rights and Freedoms is how much of it concerns race and language and ethnicity and Aboriginal rights. Just read the damn thing. It's hard to get through because of all the exceptions, rules, and definitions of who's an Aboriginal, all the minority rights, language rights, where you can vote, who has rights to get services in this language and that language. It's just outrageous. And it has always been my observation that whenever any particular collective is specifically identified in government documentation, that that group ceases to have any true rights and freedoms and instead is accorded status, which is something that governments exclusively control. And that's how they manipulate people. And they collectivize them and they pit one group against another. That's how you separate and divide society. And you know, when, they, when they're constantly talking about racialized groups and racialized peoples, what that means in practice, the racialization of any ethnic group is simply another way of saying the politicization of an ethnic group or of a race. That's all they're doing. They're turning a natural race or ethnic identity into a political weapon. So the real challenge facing citizens with respect to their governments is how can we enforce our fundamental rights and freedoms against the very institutions which are created to protect them? How can we give true meaning to our rights and freedoms and how can we assure that they will be upheld in the spirit intended, especially since our officials don't follow through on the very laws that we think that they're protecting us with? Well, that very question arose in a recent discussion between Robert Vaughn and his guest, Mark Vandermas, as heard in their conversation released on Just Right's YouTube and Rumble video platforms this past Monday. Although their broader conversation concerned Mark's organizing the New Brunswick Freedom Project, and I recommend checking it out on our website, it's excellent. For our upcoming audio bite, I have isolated the parts of their conversation that concerned the challenge of making governments actually live up to the terms of their constitutions, or if you will, making theory coincide with practice. So we have to have clearly values, and the value is freedom until you start hurting someone else. That's a good place to start for a definition. How do you have, have freedom in the economy without abuse? Uh, how, do you, how do you free up, I don't know, medicine? 
what does a free province look like? All I know is it doesn't look like what we have now. Because if you can, we have no checks and balances left in, in, in our system. The judges are going along with, with some of this insane stuff. And I've had people on Twitter say, oh, see, the judges say it's legal. Well, let me explain something to you. In Nazi Germany, everything that the, the Nazis did was legal. Okay, Legality plays a role, but at some point you have to say, no, this blatantly violates a charter of rights. And at what point are we allowed to... Uh, you know, violate somebody's rights. Do we get to lock up an entire population because uh, you know a percentage of, old, uh, of elderly people or people who are obese? I'm a little overweight myself. Um, are getting sick from a virus? Is that reasonable? We have to we have to inculcate a sense of freedom. It's going to take some time. But one thing, you know, I've read, oh, I read these tweets. Some, people are so hopeless at what they're seeing right now. They're seeing a government, like a Trudeau government, out of control financially. Um, is Canada going to become the next Venezuela from the printing of money? Um, are, are we going to become a Cuban dictatorship uh, that controls speech and jails people? Uh, just because somebody doesn't like what they say? Is that the direction? That's where we're going right now. We need a bulwark, a refuge somewhere that says, no, this is about freedom. In the school system, we need a university that, that teaches freedom. All of our kids, like when you and I went to school, I'll bet you read Animal Farm. I'll bet you read 1984. Mm -hmm. We have to get those back in the schools again. And, you know, whatever, whatever that, whatever it takes, you know, you don't know until you do something. True enough. And if you had thought, if you had said to me 20 years ago that, uh, that we would be where we are today in Canada with the free speech attacks, I mean, you look at how they've changed the culture, but they did it slowly, but they did it through taking over the schools. And, and taking over the teachers' unions and taking over uh, what you're, exactly what your kids are, are, are being taught in public school, colleges, and universities. And that has to be the place to start. We have to realize, I mean, when this is over, God willing this is over, um, we can never forget what happened here today because a model has been created. Because theoretically, anything, when, I, when you talk about um, uh, you know, people in Atlantic Canada accepting what the government says. Well, that was me before Caledonia, okay? A lot of us before, you know, 20 years ago, 10 years ago, um, we all said the same thing. I'm ex-military. I served in the Canadian Forces. I was on a peacekeeping mission. I wore a uniform. I swore an oath to the country. I'm, you know, good order and discipline, Peace, order, and good government. All of that stuff. Those are the things that I grew up with. Freedom, free speech. Um, you know, even our charter. Some people don't like the charter. Well, I like the charter. I like the idea of a charter. But we've now learned that the charter is utterly worthless. Completely meaningless without the culture of freedom as its foundation.
it's too easy for these people to pass a law and um, all of a sudden the charter goes away at the time we need it the most. It's outrageous. It can never be allowed to happen. So we can sit around and whine about it. We can vote PPC. Love the People's Party of Canada. I love Maxime Bernier, for example. He says, well, what about PPC? We got P Okay, we can walk and chew gum at the same time. We can build a free province, okay? And we can vote for PPC, and we can hope that they are very successful. But let's be realistic, guys. The chances are that Justin Trudeau is going to win a majority in the next election. Very good possibility of that. Let's assume that the PPC does really well, and they get to be the official opposition. We're in a country of, what, 38 million people? How is the PPC? They may be able to blunt the worst excesses of Trudeau and the Liberals and the NDP working together and the Bloc, but they're not going to reverse the culture. They just they just aren't going to be able to do that. It was Andrew that. Breitbart who said politics is downstream from culture. Exactly. And you're absolutely right. Culture has to change. But I've been tweeting out and writing and talking about the fact that culture follows philosophy. Yes. And I, and I started saying earlier, I see people, oh, they're in such despair about where the country's going and I'm so hopeless. Some people are really hopeless. And I'll tell you one thing. The one thing that cures hopelessness and fear is action. Action. Anything is better than sitting there get, or getting up in the morning and whining and bitching about what the government's doing. I don't care if it's simply going out. And, like I've got posters at NB Free. That's the website, uh, nbfree.ca. Uh, NovemberBravoFree.ca. I've got some posters there, you know, and medical tyranny. Go print, have them printed out. Put them on some, some uh, uh, hydro poles outside your MPs, MPPs, M MLA's office. Um, you'll feel so much better. It all starts with a single step. Don't worry about what other people are doing. And so action cures fear. It cures hopelessness. Let me tell you, people who videotape are some of the best allies you can ever have. People always worry about numbers. How many people were out, Mark? I don't care. I don't care. What matters is that you get out and do something. And then somebody like Robert Vaughn sees you doing a, doing a vigil in front of, uh, uh, you know, in, in London uh, for Israel. And he says, oh, I should have that guy on my show. And then the next thing happened. Mm -hmm. You can never plan out a struggle. And that's the one thing we learned in Caledonia. The, my, our leader, Gary McHale, taught me that. People want to try and plan out a struggle. This is exactly how we're going to have a business plan. We're going to do this and that. You never know what's going to happen that day. I never worry about things. One thing about Christian, I'm a Christian. The number one commandment after the Big Ten is don't live in fear. And I never live in fear. So go out, do what you can with the resources you have, and see what happens. We're at an inflection point where we either learn from what these tyrants did to us and did to that Charter of Rights, or we're going to go down. And I'm saying, let's give meaning to the Charter. Let's actually, that's what I'm about. I'm about creating a province, a free province, where we actually hold up the Charter and say, okay, what does it mean when it says, what does it actually mean when it says you have the right to life? What does that mean? Does an unborn baby have a right to life? I don't know. I think so. Does, does it mean that you have the right to defend yourself against a criminal who attacks you with a knife? 
by pulling out your concealed weapon and defending yourself? I don't know. I want to talk about it. I want to have that conversation. How do we give meaning to every word in that document? That's what I'm about. But the only way we can do that is if we're in control of the legislative process through influence. The Charter of Rights means something. We think it means this. You need to do something about it. And the only thing, like Gary McHale in Caledonia used to say, the only two things politicians fear is being embarrassed or losing power. Like Mark, I like the idea of a charter, but I would rather see a charter of prohibitions and restrictions than a charter of rights and freedoms. Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not murder, thou shalt not covet, thou shalt not bear false witness. I'm reminded of these following words from the song Spirits in the Material World as performed by the police many years ago, and I quote, There is no political solution to our troubled evolution. Have no faith in constitution. There is no bloody revolution. Our so-called leaders speak with words they try to jail you. They subjugate the weak, but it's the rhetoric of failure, end quote. And that kind of describes most national charters of rights and freedoms written in the way that they are, while promising what appears to be rights and freedoms, a closer look at the wordings of those constitutions reveals a rhetoric of failure. I mean, think about it. All forms of collectivism are based on the opposite principles of what I would call our charter of prohibitions and restrictions. In other words, collectivism would operate on the principles of thou shalt murder, thou shalt steal, thou shalt covet, thou shalt bear false witness. I mean, we see it all around us. Thou shalt murder. From the forced and coerced vaccines to the lockdowns themselves, thousands have died, been injured, and or crippled for life. To say nothing about, about what history itself has demonstrated. Thou shalt steal. From never-ending taxes to outright property expropriation, as we've been seeing during the lockdowns. Hey, you'll own nothing and be happy, right? Thou shalt covet. Well, certainly that motivation goes hand in hand with stealing. And again, you know, you'll own nothing and be happy. And then there's thou shalt bear false witness. You know, he's a racist. He's a conspiracy theorist. He's spreading misinformation. You know, this phenomenon has often been referred to as killing the messenger, especially when you know that you can't kill the message. Sadly, Canadians who today find themselves desperately fighting for their rights and freedom through legitimate political and legal means must rely on a corrupted constitution that explicitly places the power of the state above individual rights. All of Canada's institutions have been corrupted to this end. The parliaments and legislatures, the courts, the police, and above all, the corporate media once considered the fourth estate. And with Canadian elections looming on the horizon, hopes are fading that there will ever be an end to the lockdowns and fascist COVID controls, since every party in Parliament supports them. And don't confuse the lifting of a lockdown with any kind of assurance that the government won't lock down again at a moment's notice. The tyranny continues to exist as long as it remains possible for the government to be a tyranny. In any event, the really scary part is that voting against a tyranny may no longer suffice even if a majority did so. The power brokers have long been among the self-appointed elite who consider their power to be permanent. And why? They stole the last election in the United States. <laughs> and when it comes right down to it, you know, this entire COVID power play was a political reaction to a single man and his political agenda, Donald Trump 
who stood alone as a world leader openly opposed to all of the tyranny disguised as globalism. And I'm frequently contacted by people who wonder where Trump has been lately, which attests to the success of social media censorship and corporate media fake news and no news reporting. So to that end, I'd like to thank listener Tom S. in Sarnia, who alerted me to, quote, more censorship of Trump, end quote, by sending me an email that informed me about a YouTube suspension of Right Side Broadcasting Network for having broadcast Trump's rally in Ohio earlier. It was accompanied by a link to where the Sarasota, Florida rally could be seen on RSBN this past Saturday evening, and you'll be hearing a few items I've selected from that rally momentarily. Now, this is from the Right Side Broadcasting Network on their site. In a news item headlined, President Trump confirms decision on whether he will run in 2024 by Athley Munoz. Quote, President Donald Trump announced on Wednesday that he's made up his mind about running for another term in 2024. During a town hall meeting in Edinburgh, Texas, the 45th president told Fox News personality Sean Hannity that he has come to a decision on whether he'll throw his hat in the ring for another shot at winning the White House. We don't have a lot of time, but let's talk about your future plans. Now, I have a funny... Let me ask the crowd of everybody here, would you like to see the president run again in 2024? You're not gonna answer, but I have to ask, have you made up your mind? Yes. I think you got it right, (laughs) yeah. However, Trump did not give any additional insight, as he has since said he would not make any announcement until after the 2022 midterm elections are over. And although he has not yet made a public statement acknowledging a desire to put in another four years at the White House, he has continued to be actively involved in politics and has endorsed several America First conservatives running in the upcoming midterm elections. If you move forward, you know how difficult it is, but you seem ready to re-engage in, in that battle. And when it, you It's lo- not that I want to. The country needs it. We, we have to take care of this country. I don't want to. Is this fun? Fighting constantly, fighting always? In recent months, Trump has begun appearing at GOP events and recently resumed campaign rallies. Just last week, he held a Save America rally in Wellington, Ohio, and is scheduled to have another rally on Saturday at the Sarasota Fairgrounds in Sarasota, Florida at 8 p.m. EST, end quote. And of course, I made a point of watching that live broadcast this past Saturday night, and Trump was absolutely in fine form, almost as if he had never disappeared from the American political scene at all. And thanks to the censorship, I watched it on RSBN, Right Side Broadcasting Network, which covered his Sarasota, Florida rally live on Saturday night, with an audience just shy of about 400,000 at the time. So coming up next are some selected audio bites from that rally, which I have severely edited and rearranged so as to keep his comments regarding a single particular issue altogether. I mean, after all, it was a rally with a lot of rah-rahs and cheering, and his presentation of each singular issue was fragmented throughout. So I selected those pertaining to a few issues for our purposes here today. 
and on this side of the bumper, Trump on canceling cancel culture and on the corrupt fake news media, while on the return side of the bumper, Trump speaks to the issue of Democrats and Republicans. Let me begin by wishing each and every one of you a blessed and happy 4th of July. Tomorrow we will celebrate 245 years of glorious American independence. And it will not be canceled, by the way. It will be canceled. And we will teach young people across the country that George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, Thomas Jefferson, John Adams, Benjamin Franklin, John Hancock will forever be American heroes. People want to take their names off buildings. Can you believe it? They took names off buildings like George Washington. And I told you, this is where they're coming from. We're not going to let that happen. They will never be purged from history or canceled from our hearts. The mission for all of us here tonight is to preserve the legacy of July 4th, 1776. And to defend our liberty from the radical left movement that seeks to cancel this date, demolish our heritage, and destroy our beloved nation. In just five months, the Biden administration has launched an all-out assault on everything we cherish and we value. Under Joe Biden and the left, I don't know if it's Joe, to be honest with you. It's somebody. Does anybody know who it is? It's somebody. Free speech is under assault like never before. Religious liberty is being crushed. Nobody took care of religious liberty like we did. Dissenters are being persecuted. Our streets are being overtaken by vicious thugs and bloodthirsty criminals, Democrat cities. Our border is being erased before our very eyes. It was never stronger than the border that we created just a few months ago. Critical race theory is being shoved down our children's throats and into the ranks of our military. And our generals are even going for it. Maybe they're just doing that because they think that's politics. They ought to focus on China and Russia and other things of far greater importance. Big tech monopolies are out of control. Men are allowed to play in women's sports. So unfair, so crazy, and so bad for women's and the whole women's sports movement. So unfair, so bad. It'll end. It'll end. It'll end hopefully sooner rather than later. And our leaders are weakly bowing down to Russia, Iran, and communist China. There's only one way to save our nation. We have to work harder than ever before to win the colossal victory for America first Republicans in the midterms next year. And we have to keep fighting exactly like we are for right now. And I'll be doing exactly that. And we need your help. We need the help of this great country. And I just left Ohio a few days ago. We had 42,000 people also. And this crowd is big. They say you, we lost, you had like this massive storm. They say we lost nobody. 
those guys back there. Together we will take back the House, we will take back the Senate, and we will take back America. We're not going to let this happen. I think one of my greatest achievements is explaining to people that the media in this country is corrupt, and it's corrupt. It's gonna go down as one of my greatest achievements. Camera just went off. Two cameras just went off. They don't like it when I do that. I like to give them warning so they could just go to a commercial or something. Biden canceled my 1776 commission to honor America's founding within hours of taking office, almost immediately. Great people were put on that commission, great, great patriots. He canceled the National Garden of American Heroes, who was going to the great state of Tennessee. And he announced one year ago tonight to celebrate, this was announced about a year ago, was going to Tennessee. We were going to build beautiful, magnificent statues to the greatest people in the history of our country. He canceled it. Why? Why would you do that? It was going to Tennessee. The Biden White House publicly took the side of the Olympic athlete who denounced the national anthem and who shunned our great flag. And in place of old-fashioned love of America, the Biden administration has new rules pushing hateful Marxist critical race theory into our children's schools and into our military. The poisonous left-wing doc is flagrant racism. It's plain and simple. It's pure, plain racism. It has no place in our schools, in our military, or in our country. When we take back Congress, Republicans must defund immediately critical race theory in our military and refuse to pass any spending bill that does not stop these mind trainings and restore order to our borders. With Joe Biden and the radical left, it is always America last. It's America last. Look at what he's doing. It's America last. Other countries are laughing at us. They are. They can't even believe it. The Democrats have horrible policy. Think of it. Open borders, sanctuary cities. I mean, the policies are so defund the police. It's their policy. Remember, don't let them talk anybody out of that. But they have horrible policy, but they stick together. They're very vicious people, far more vicious than Republicans. I don't know why. I wish I, wish I could say that we would fight back the way they fight. But they do have one thing that's good. They stick together. You don't have Mitt Romney and little Ben Sass and these people. You don't have these people. They stick together, and I respect that. The harder I fight for you, the harder they come after me. They don't even know. Every abuse and attack they throw my way is solely because I have been fighting for you against the corrupt establishment. That's all it is. Somebody said to me, 
Very smart person, one of the smartest people, actually, very successful, said, could I ask you a question? First of all, how do you take it? I said, I don't know. It almost becomes like part of the work program. How do you take it? How the hell do you take it? And they ask me that question a lot. How do you do this? But what we've done is something that nobody thought possible. How do you do it? We do it because I love what we've done. And what we've done is going to get better and better. And the beautiful thing about what happened is now people can see how bad it can go and how quickly it can be taken away. And we can't let that happen. We can't let that happen. And I'm far more popular now than on Election Day because the people have watched what the hell has happened to our country in just a very short period of time. What they are doing is a disgrace to our nation. It's really an atrocious abuse of power. Nobody's ever seen anything like this. And the American people will not stand for it. I know that. Now, we're thrilled to be joined tonight by many outstanding Republican leaders. And they're really friends of mine, and they're warriors. And there are a few here that I'm not going to introduce because they're not warriors. So the hell with them. Who cares? You are listening to Just Right, broadcasting around the world and online. And that was just hilarious, wasn't it? To hell with them. Who cares? (laughs) Now you know what I meant when I opened the show pointing out that unlike Canada, in the United States there already exists a well-established resistance to the Marxist ideology sweeping both countries. Hateful Marxist critical race theory, it's pure plain racism, the corrupt media. Could you even picture Canada's Justin Trudeau or any of the other party leaders in Parliament dare to utter such a truth? Hell no, they're the Marxists, don't you know? But now I feel it necessary to address one of the issues that continues to be a little uncomfortable for me when it comes to Trump. And I know this is so for many other Trump supporters. Namely, his continuing statements about the COVID vaccines, the early release of which he sees as an achievement, combined with his general statements on the whole COVID pandemic, which I think is sending a bit of a mixed message. Here's what I mean. During the pandemic, we produced three vaccines in record time. And remember, three to five years, they said. And they said, but it probably won't happen. I got it done in less than nine months. What a difference. What a difference. And you have to have your freedom as to taking it and all of that. But what a difference. What a great thing. And that's for the world. Had we not had that, we wouldn't all be here tonight. We wouldn't be here. It would be a whole different world tonight. And I'm talking world, not just the United States. What we saved. I think we would have had another 1917 Spanish flu. That's what I believe. We're close to 100 million people, they say, died. But while Joe Biden now wants credit, for all of our successes. Do you remember during the inauguration, he said he created the vaccine? I said, no, Joe, we gave you the vaccine on December 11th. Remember, we put it into your arm to keep you safe, Joe. You know, one thing that happened, the World Health Organization. So when I pulled out of that because they blew every conceivable thing having to do, they said, keep your country open, I closed it. Don't forget, you know, people said, why didn't you fire Fauci? I said, I didn't have to. I always did the opposite of what he said. So why should I fire him? He said, keep the country open. And I had a good relationship with him. Honestly, I had a pretty good relationship. He said, just call me Tony, sir. I call him, just call me Tony. He said, sir, just call me Tony. 
He's a hell of a promoter, though. Don't you agree? Remember? No masks. Masks are terrible. Don't wear masks. And now he's a uh, radical masker. Have three masks, and if you can, put on goggles and a helmet. Different kind of a deal. As you probably noticed, the Democrats and the media are now admitting that I was right about virtually everything all along. Almost everything. The virus came from the Chinese lab. Remember when they said, horrible. When I said it came from Wuhan, the lab, they went, horrible. They went crazy. I said, what did I say? Common sense, right? Hydroxychloroquine works. They cost lives. They cost lives. I should have done it differently. I said, you should not take under any circumstances hydroxychloroquine. And they would have said, horrible. You must take it. And I would have been happy. Blue state lockdowns did not work. We said, open up your states. It's up to the governors. We said, open up your states. Schools should be opened immediately, right? Immediately. Our border security actions were completely necessary. And Joe Biden's agenda is every bit as radical and disastrous as I predicted. I said all these things. Now, I have to tell you, it was extraordinarily noticeable how the level of audience approval about Trump's vaccine accomplishment was nowhere near as enthusiastic as for his other proposals and accomplishments. And I have to admit that I don't agree with Trump when he suggests that getting the vaccines out prevented a pandemic similar to that of the 1917 Spanish flu. I've seen no evidence of this. However, I should point out that in another media interview, Trump was quite insistent that children should not take the vaccine. And as we just heard, he certainly made it clear that the choice to vaccinate should be voluntary. And he was most insistent that hydroxychloroquine works, which, if so, makes any claims about the vaccines irrelevant and contradictory, given that they wouldn't even be necessary, would they? You know, that's where I see this mixed message. I have to tell you, I was a bit surprised that he took it so easy on Fauci, considering the recent releases of Fauci's emails and correspondence. But I did like his comments on the whole picture of the Wuhan lab issue and his opposition to lockdowns. And when it comes to the release of the vaccines, which in and of themselves could prove to be a health and life disaster, I don't think for a moment it was Trump's intention to release any harmful vaccines. So his early release of them, I think, served more of a political purpose than being a solution to a viral pandemic. Everything I saw, you know, Trump gave the left everything they demanded on the COVID front, from the establishment of extra hospital beds that were never needed to the vaccines themselves. And in so doing, proved his opposition to be disingenuous and contradictory, to say the least. And now, last but not least, it's the issue that still hasn't gone away and will not go away, despite the current resident of the White House. I wonder what I will be proved right about next. Perhaps it will be the election, perhaps. The evidence of fraud, irregularities, and illegality is already overwhelming. And frankly, it was a long time ago. 
Democrats use COVID to cheat. They illegally changed the rules in the key states and mailed out millions and millions and millions of absentee ballots all over the place. People went in to vote, Republicans. I'd like to vote. I'm sorry, ma'am, you've already voted. No, I haven't. I waited for this day. I've been waiting for a year to vote. You voted. I'm sorry you voted. Here's an absentee ballot. They didn't use them. They didn't use them. They stole the votes. And they mailed out ballot applications to every person on the rolls, dead or alive, legal or illegal, right? They mailed out these applications. They used hundreds of millions of dollars from left-wing billionaires to put on lawful drop boxes all over Democrat-run cities to scoop up ballots in swing states. This was the most corrupt election. Take a look at New York. Watch what's happening there. But this is the most corrupt election. They sent ours is worse than what's happening in New York. Worse. They sent political operatives door to door in Democrat neighborhoods to harvest Democrat votes by the thousands. And like in Georgia, deleted over a hundred thousand voters off the voter rolls after the election. I said, why didn't you do it before the election? I lost very close election. It wasn't close, actually. I won by a lot. But the loss they gave me was very close, like 11,000 votes. 100,000 votes were deleted after the election. What's going on with Georgia? 100, think of it. 100, more than 100,000. And I just asked one simple question. Why didn't you do that, if you don't mind, before the election? Wouldn't that be nice? They abolished signature verification requirements, created a powerful system for media and online censorship of their opponents, and did everything possible to facilitate fraud, just like you would do in a third world country. That's what happened with this election. That's why there are so many people here tonight. If we lost the election, I still would have a good crowd, because we have a good, but you know what? I wouldn't have a crowd that goes beyond what the eye can see, that stays in a thunderstorm where they're going, ladies and gentlemen, there are massive rains. We're in the midst of a storm. There's lightning. Please, please go home. And nobody wants to go home. They didn't leave. Look at you. Some of the women are a mess. Now, actually, it's true. No, look at a woman. She's a mess. But the truth is you look more beautiful now than you did when you went to the beauty parlor. So you can save a lot of money. <laughs> That's true. You actually look better. You just don't know it. You're real. You're real. It's great. It's great. But think of it. Thunderstorms are coming. Please evacuate. Please leave. Nobody left. Nobody left. I'm glad to say you're all here because, you know, if you weren't, I would be blamed 100%. And why didn't Democrats get legislative approval mandated under the U.S. Constitution to change their election laws? They changed it without getting legislative approval. Information is coming out now in Arizona, Georgia, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania. And except for weak Michigan state Republican senators, I mean, can you imagine Detroit? Detroit, they say, is the single most corrupt district area, Wayne County, in the whole country. You had people that refused to sign documents saying the election was over. They refused. Two people, brave people. They refused. They said, we can't sign those documents. This thing is terrible. Detroit, Philadelphia, 
We have a U.S. attorney in Philadelphia that says he wasn't allowed to go and check Philadelphia. That's a big statement. I'll tell you who didn't allow him someday. I'll do it at my next rally. But can you imagine this? Because, you know, we have a deep state, too, in this country. And a deep state, they work with the Democrats and the Republicans. And those are the Republicans I don't like. In fact, those are Republicans that, in many ways, are worse than the Democrats, okay? They're worse. If Mitch McConnell had the courage and the guts, and if he was a real leader, he would have wanted to look into all the corruption that took place. He knew about it. During the presidential election, a lot of these people sitting over here, they looked into it and they said, that's real. And our country may very well have been in a much different position than it is today. I would have been vetoing every one of those bills that were sent. He couldn't approve it fast enough. He couldn't approve it. It's time to get to work on our country. Oh, great. First thing he did is he signed 17 executive orders that were a kill. Bernie Sanders can't even believe it's happening. Okay. This is so far left of Bernie Sanders. He's going around saying, I can't believe this. It's the greatest thing that's ever happened. I told you. Instead, McConnell rushed in and approved of Biden. And he looked at this stuff. He said, we have to get back to running our country, really. And you had the 17 executive orders immediately signed. And then day after day after day, he was signing executive orders that were destroying our country. I would have vetoed every single legislative approval sent to my desk. And we wouldn't be having any problems at the border with the economy, with the inflation. We wouldn't be having any problems. We would have a country the likes of which nobody has ever seen before. Very sad. Mitch McConnell. The Republicans have to get themselves a real leader. You got some great senators, but they have to get themselves a real leader. And by the way, who shot Ashley Babbitt? Who shot Ashley Babbitt? Who? Who shot Ashley Babbitt? We all saw the hand. We saw the gun. I spoke to her mother the other day, an incredible woman. She's just devastated, like, like it happened yesterday. Devastated. You know, if that were on the other side, the person that did the shooting would be strung up and hung. Okay? Now they don't want to give the name. They don't want to give, but people know the name. People know where he came from. And it's a terrible thing. Right shot. Boom. There was no reason for it. Who shot Ashley Babbitt? It's got to be released. And how come so many people are still in jail over January 6th when nobody paid a price for the fire and carnage and death that took place in Democrat-run cities throughout our country, including Antifa and BLM? How come? How come? And why are our Republican leaders like McConnell afraid to take up the subject and talk about it? Disgrace to our country. We need strong leaders. We need leaders like people like this. With me at the top of the ticket, not a single Republican House member lost their race for the first time in decades. Not one. We were supposed to lose 25 seats. And we won 16. Think of it. Look at that swing. 
We won Ohio in a landslide. We won Florida by the largest margin of any candidate in decades. And only once, many, many years ago, did a candidate lose a presidential election but won Florida and Ohio. Many, many years ago, in all of history, if you win Florida, two big states, and Ohio, you're a Republican, you win. Except for me. Once in history. But one that was never, ever, was if you win Florida, you win Ohio, and you win Iowa. I won all three by very large numbers. Nobody has ever lost an election if you won all three. And I won all three by a lot. And this country's in big trouble when an election cannot be open, free, fair, and not stolen and rigged. You know what? We got them by surprise in 2016. And they worked for four years to make sure that never happens again. And they're not going to do it with their policies, as we discussed. We easily won the Cuban-American vote in Florida, including a mammoth increase in Miami-Dade County, something that doesn't happen with Republicans. We got a tremendous vote. Fifteen percent of Cuban-Americans who voted for crooked Hillary Clinton in 2016 switched their votes to us. Yet Joe Biden, who did not even campaign here, supposedly got millions more black votes than Barack Hussein Obama. Now, let me ask you, does anybody really believe that Biden got more black votes than Obama? We have a truly sick election system, and it's got to be changed. Remember this. I am not the one trying to undermine American democracy. I am the one trying to save American democracy. And in so saying, Trump has taken on a challenge far greater than the presidency itself. Trump can speak about the stolen election with far more confidence today than he could immediately following the election. Several forensic audits and other legal actions have been ongoing since the election, and everything Trump was saying then is proving to be fact. This is going to be a big problem for Biden, because reality has a way of biting, you know what I mean? The contrast between a Republican government and a Democrat one could not have been made more visible during these past few months. And I can understand why Trump didn't want to confirm his presidential candidacy till after the midterms because he wants to make sure that this time round he'll have the necessary support from Republicans themselves. And to hell with those who won't do what's right. And doing what's right is something we encourage everyone to do, and you can start by joining us again next week when we will continue our journey in the right direction. And until then, be right, stay right, do right, act right, think right, and be right back here. We'll see you then. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be this week, the White House asked Congress to authorize $175 billion in funds for highway construction, mass transit, and other transportation projects. The president's plan has significant support in Congress, but many Washington insiders are wondering how exactly this benefits China.